0: and say it with me I hunger I hunger for you God I hunger for growth I hunger to see the goodness of God right here in the land of the living I hunger for peace I hunger for righteousness I hunger for you God Oh, God, we just thank you that we've set this time aside this morning. We just come before your throne boldly. We come for you and only you, Lord. We put ourselves before you, and we choose to receive from you this day. Our hearts are open. Our hearts are ready to receive. We have eyes to see what you're doing. We have ears to hear what you're saying. We recognize when you move, and, God, we've come prepared. Oh, we're so stirred up. We're ready to receive from your word today. We esteem it highly yes. in Jesus name. Amen. amen and amen. Well, how is everybody doing on this fine Sunday, February 6th morning? Yes. Come on. Yes. Matthew chapter 5 verse 6 says, "Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness." For they shall be filled. These are the words of Jesus when he preached his message on the Beatitudes. And he said blessed or happy or fulfilled or inspired or or extremely fortunate. There's so many different words that could be inserted in there. But blessed and happy are those who are hungry. You know, this runs counter to the way that we would think. You know, we think hunger is a bad thing. You know, oh, we got to solve world hunger. He's not talking about that kind of hunger. He's talking about a hunger and a drive on the inside of us that says, I'm coming to the table of the master. You know, there's nowhere else I'd rather be. The only thing that I need is found there. And that's why he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There's so many things we could hunger for. But what did Jesus go on to say if we, if we read this a little bit further in the next chapter? He said, seek first the kingdom, and all these other things will be added unto you. And so he says, put your focus and seek after righteousness. That's the state of him who is as he ought to be. It's the state of him who is righteous, justified, been declared holy by Jesus Christ himself. It's not your righteousness. Paul said, my righteousness is as filthy rags, but Jesus, he became sin for us, that he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Go ahead and say it again, I hunger. I hunger. And last week, Pastor Wendy did an absolutely amazing job in continuing on in our series here on hunger, and she was in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1, where it says, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Arise. Another way you can say it is get up. Yes. Get up and shine. You know, that's been a big theme in our midweek uh, messages, on, on the Hunger on WordChurch.ca, as we started January off with talking about that you are the light of the world. Yes. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. We know that he also said that he's the light of the world, but guess what? He's in you. You are the light of the world. The light of God needs to be seen in us and shone through us. As Christopher posted this morning, I saw his post for the, on his Sunday morning, was it says, so let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father. And so prophetically here the prophet Isaiah says, get up and shine. That means it's a choice. He said, get up, get up and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is his manifest presence. We need to to renew our minds to the fact that God is present with you 24-7. Oh, come on. Jesus was raised up and sat at the right hand of the Father, but then Paul went on and took it even further in Ephesians 2. He said, and you've been raised up. And you've been made to sit together with him in heavenly places. And so sometimes we wake up and we're just like, I just don't feel like this day. But then we realize, man, how could I not face this day? I'm in the presence of God right now. You may not have felt it, but man, as you focus in on him, you focus in on the reality that you're with him and he's with you and there's nowhere you could go where he is not, and you begin to feel it you begin to experience. And a day that may have started off in a funk begins to get turned around for your good. Come on. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Next verse, he says, for behold. Come on, let's turn. There we go. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but. You know, there's a saying that says you got to put your butt in the right spot. It says that darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you. Everyone say me. Me. And his glory will be seen upon you. You know, there's a prayer that Paul prayed. He said that the the world would be able to see the light of the glorious gospel which has been hid in earthen vessels. It says the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen on you hallelujah that's just amazing that's just amazing the glory of the lord will be seen upon you let's just think about it for a second on you what happened when moses was intact in contact with the glory of god he came down the mountain shining like a light bulb (laughs) So that the people were so afraid of him, they said, here, put this lampshade on. (laughs) And he had to wear a veil until he had been away from God for long enough that it began to fade. Think about that. He was away from God long enough for it to begin to fade. But what happens when we stay close to God? Whew. Where the light doesn't have to fade because it's arisen on you. And the glory of God is, will be seen on you, and it can stay on you. And when you walk into the room, people go like, well, something just changed. Why is it different in here now? Why is it that it seemed like we couldn't get anything done in this meeting, and now it's like we got all these ideas flowing? It's like where you walk into the meeting, and all of a sudden, it's like, man, we got new business contacts going on here, new clients walking into the room, where we walk into the classroom, and the kids have been causing such a panic, and man, all of a sudden, it's just such a peace comes over them, and it's like, we're ready to learn, right, Jessica? Yeah, you get to shift the atmosphere. I like what Jim Hockaday used to always say. He said, you know, we often come into the room and we are thermometers of what's going on. You're not a thermometer. You're a thermostat. You come in and you change the atmosphere because when you walked in, the glory of the Lord walked in with you. The presence of God came in. And think about this, when Jesus was in his hometown, it said the presence of God and the power of God was present to heal, but yet only a few sick people got healed because their hearts were closed. Man, what happens if we get more Christians with open hearts towards God and letting his glory flow through them? I like what I, I hear in Isaiah chapter 60 and verse 1 in the message translation, it says, get out of bed, Jerusalem. Come on, turn. Turn. there we go wake up and put your face in the sunlight God's bright glory has risen for you you know I heard someone say a long time ago he's like whenever I have somebody who hasn't shown up to church for a while he's like I always call them and they're like well you know everything's just been been a little a little tiring i have just haven't had time and you know really I've just been so tired And he's like you know what the first thing I do I go over to their house And I open their blinds and I let the light shine in. When people get down in the funk, they try to stay in the darkness. That's what the world has. You don't have to stay in the dark. Open up the curtains and let the light of God shine in upon you. And so we have a hunger on the inside of us that should be growing and growing more and more every day. The more that we partake of the master, the more we should want of the master. And the reality is it goes the other way too. The less you spend time with God and the less you want of him, the less you will experience and the less you will want to experience. Because you're either moving towards something or you're moving away from something and you generally don't do both at the same time. You know, I, was, I saw a post this week. I was following this young athlete who's just kind of breaking onto the scene, and she just had one of her first major events that she went, and she won one of the events within it. And somebody asked her, well, how do you feel now? And she said, if I was hungry before, I'm starving now. <laughs> Why? Because winning makes you want to win. Being with God makes you want to spend more time with God. Getting into his word and beginning to have wisdom flow to you and God ideas show up in your life makes you want to have more of it and experience more. Which is why he said, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you taste, it's like, "Yeah, you know it's good, I'm going back. It's kind of like if you've been eating oatmeal your whole life and someone gives you a piece of cake and you're like, why have I been wasting my time on this? (laughs) Actually, I got a funny story about oatmeal. When I was in college, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't have a, st- a lot of stuff. And a friend of mine was going through the same, same position where both of us had not eaten much that week. We'd been surviving on just a few bowls of oatmeal. And we were over at his friend's house and another friend came and saw him eating oatmeal again. And he said, uh, are, are you eating oatmeal because you want to? or because you have to and he goes both (laughs) he's like I tell myself I want to do it because that's the only thing I've got to eat right now well come on you've got so much more to eat when it comes to the father he prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies He says you anoint my head with oil And my cup runs over. That's in an abundance mentality. He says my cup runs over. He didn't say my cup had enough in it or my cup was full. He said my cup runs over. That's what happens at the table of the master. And hunger brings us to the table of the master. The message translation of that verse says you serve me a six course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head and my cup Brims with blessing. Yes. And I like the idea of this. That you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Because we often have a God is distant mentality. That if I could only get God to come here and do something. And while you're saying, God come, he's spreading the table. And you know what's going on in his mind? He's saying, I wish they would just sit down and eat with me. Whew. You think about the book of Revelation. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone opens, I'll come in and I'll sit with him and I will dine. And so God's not over there with his provision. God's not over there with his hope. God's not over there with his peace. God is right here spreading a table. Even while everyone else in your life is trying to stir things up. Trying to get you off course. Well, the enemy is saying, you're never going to make it, never going to make it, never going to make it, and God's saying, it's okay, come and rest with me a while. Partake from the table. I love how the Passion Translation says it, though. It says, you become my delicious feast, even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink until my heart. I love how it shifts the narrative, though. Because we can often think of it as, I come to the table to get what I need. I come to the table because He's my feast. He is what I need. It is not His things which will satisfy. It is Him Himself. And in Him exists all good things, but we don't come to the table for what we may get at the table. And this is where Christianity gets it wrong. Because so many people are seeking the healing or seeking the prosperity or seeking the peace. But all of those things are found in the master. And if you just seek him, that's what you find. You know, in John chapter 6, we have an interesting, set, interesting story that's going on. Jesus is teaching the crowds and he tells them this in John chapter 6, verse 48. He said, I am the bread of life. He said, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now think about what was manna. Manna was the supernatural provision that they needed in that time. It fell from heaven. They collected it up off the ground. They didn't have to grow the food. They didn't have to raise the animals. It just fell from the sky. And he said, your fathers ate of the supernatural provision, and yet they're still dead. So the provision is not what will satisfy The provision is not what will sustain. But Jesus says, this of himself, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. And if anyone eats this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He says to them, you've got to eat my flesh and you've got to drink my blood. And they're all thinking, my goodness, he wants us to cannibalize him. And now when we look back a little bit further, it's like, my goodness, we've so missed the idea here. He's talking about the table. Where he's, Paul talks about, he's like, whenever you get together, do this. What we saw and heard of Jesus, when you get together, here is the cup. It is the cup of the new covenant. It's the cup that speaks forgiveness of sins to you. It's what solidifies your access to the throne. This is the bread which represents my body. Break, eat, take. It's representative of my healing for you. And he said as often as you gather, as often as you do it, Do it in remembrance of me that the blood is still speaking today. It speaks better things than that of the blood of Cain and the blood of Abel. It speaks life unto you today. It speaks freedom for you today that you don't have to be stuck where you are. You can go to the table of the master and stand in freedom. And so they think, oh, my goodness, he's asking us to eat him. And it's just so funny how much when Jesus speaks that everybody just usually missed the main point until the disciples were looking back after and they were like, how are we so stupid, (laughs) you know? And Jesus always had to explain the parable to them. But after Jesus says this, it says it was the most offensive thing he ever said. In verse 66, it says, from that time, many of his disciples went back all because he said, I am what you need. I am the fulfillment. And so he turns to his disciples and he says, "Uh, do you also want to go away? Do you also want to go away? And Simon, I love how Simon Peter's always just so ready to jump in, whether he's right or wrong. And he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have got what we need peter hit it on the head he himself wants to be all that satisfies you and so we hunger for the master and there we find anything else we need you know i think we often forget one of the character aspects of god it doesn't get preached about it much in today's churches And that is, he said in Exodus 34, 14, he said, For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. There's no other gods that can be before him. And and we often say, well, I I don't serve Buddha, I don't go after Muhammad, I don't go after... No, these are not the gods he's talking about. The god in particular here he was talking about was a golden calf that they just made up the day before. And so we can have gods of our own creation that we will put between us and God. And he says, no, I'm a jealous God. I want your time. I want your attention. And when I've got all of you, you get all of me. So I want to jump back to where we were in week number one of this series, back in the first week of January. You can join me over in Exodus chapter 33. Y'all doing okay this morning? Yes. In Exodus chapter 33. And in verse 1, we find the children of Israel are in this situation. Moses had gone up the mountain to receive instruction from God and to be with God. And he was gone for 40 days. 40 days is not a long time. We've been into this series for about 40 days. So think about from the first week of January to where we are right now. They have this great experience with God where God rests down on the mountain. The mountain begins to melt, and God begins to talk to his people. He gives them instructions, and they say, Everything you've told us to do, God, we're going to do it. We can do it. Yay, 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 us. 40 days later, they make themselves a golden calf because they say, We don't know what's happened to this Moses guy. He's up the mountain with God. We don't know. He's probably dead. You know, let's find a new God to follow. 40 days. It's so remarkable to me when I think about that. It's not like this has been like weeks or or months or years. No, it took them 40 days to be like, okay, I'll follow somebody else. (laughs) Come on. We're all human. I'm sure we've all had a thing. It's kind of like, I, I don't have time for that today. I don't have time for you, God, today. I'm not going to make time for you today, God. i got something else to do. So it's been 40 days. And so Moses comes down the mountain, and he sees what's going on, and he breaks the Ten Commandments over the golden calf and, and just chews out the people, and he's like, this is not good. But then he makes atonement for them. And that's where we find ourselves in Exodus 33, verse 1. And the Lord says to Moses, depart and go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt. Just think about this. God is ticked at them. He's like, Moses, you brought these people. And Moses is probably thinking to himself, what do you mean I brought these people? You told me to bring these people. <laughs> bring, brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, saying, to your descendants I will give it. And he says, and I'll send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. And so God is saying, okay, you can still go. You can go. I'll I'll send an angel to help you, and they'll clean out the land. And he says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, for I'm not going with you. (laughs) He says, lest I consume you on the way, because you are a stiff-necked people. Come on. This is, these are the words of God that talking about them. He's ticked. You know, God, God has, an, has a character too, right? He can have an attitude too. He chose, and that's what he said. He's mad at them. It's like, you take them. They're your people. I'll send an angel to help, but I'm not coming because they are stiff-necked. Whew, I kind of wonder what God's had some thoughts about me before. I'll, I'll focus on me because we don't want to focus on you, right? We'll just take the pressure off of you. Man, I'm sure he shook his head a few times and like, Jordan, what are you doing? Why? Just why? And that's the moment he's having here with Israel. And it says, when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. Like, yeah, duh. Come on. Think of what he's said to you. Think of what he's promised you. Think of what's available to you as you just step forward into what he's called you into. And so here's what Moses does. If we drop to verse seven, it says Moses took his tent and he pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and he called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. Now we could gloss over this as just like a detail that's really not that important. It's actually very don't always catch it. Do you know why it's important? Up until this point Moses met with God and came back and told the people what needed to be done. If they had a problem they came to Moses and Moses sought the Lord. And Moses realized we've got a disconnect. People don't know how to go to God for themselves. And it's no different than if so-and-so could pray for me, it'll all be fine. Oh, I let pastor know about it. And we're going to good. No, yeah, that's great. We should stand together. We should agree. But you got to know how to get in the presence of God for yourself. When we worship, you got to know how to open up your heart and step into the throne room. Because I can't receive it for you. But we can run boldly together. And so Moses changes order of how things has been. He's like, okay, let's set the tent up out there and if you want to see God, you walk your butt out there and you meet with him. You give your time and you be intentional about it. Yes. And when I saw that, I was just like, oh my goodness, what wisdom. God's ticked and Moses has the wisdom. Of course, God chose the right guy, right? Yes. And so it was. Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. He's setting a precedent before them. i got to talk to God. I'm going out there. And everybody just kind of stood and watched. Watched him go in. And it came to pass that when Moses entered the tabernacle, the pillar of cloud, or his tangible presence, or the glory of the Lord, however you want to say it, descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped. He was changing the narrative and their structure. This is how you do it, guys. You go out, God meets with you, he solves the problem. He took himself out of the equation. And it says, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. God speaks to you the same way. There's ways that only he can speak to your heart where it's just like, God, I really needed to hear that. You said it in a way that only you could say, in the way that I needed to hear it. And I I emphasize when I say needed to hear it. You know, there's an aspect that we choose, like, God, I want you to speak this way, but he knows how you need it, not how you want it. There's a difference. And so he spoke to the Lord face to face as a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle.
1: Whew.
0: Once he tasted, he didn't want to leave. He wanted more. Hallelujah. And so Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, this is Moses being pretty bold right here. You say to me, Bring this people up, but you've not let them let me know whom you'll send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and I've also found grace in your sight. So Moses is reminding God of what he said to him. That's why the Lord says, put me in remembrance. He needs to know you to have him forgotten. He says, now therefore, pray, if I've found grace in your sight, show me your way that I may know you, and that I may find grace in your sight, and consider that this people is your people he puts it back on God. God said, you brought them. And Moses says, no, they're your people. Boldness. You come before the throne you say, God, I'm your child. I'm here to sit at the table. You've drawn me. Here I am. And God responds and says, my presence I will give you rest. A few verses, that's all it took. God knew what he was doing. He needed the children of Israel to take ownership. He needed Moses to take leadership. Because in the absence of Moses, the children of Israel were going to go wherever they felt like in the moment. So he needed Moses to be a leader and show them Says my presence will go with you. That's a far chain, train from so I'm, I'm not coming. You guys are stiff-necked people. It says my presence will go with you, and Moses says back to him, "If your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. Come on, we need to be a little tenacious about that. When we get up in the morning, say, God." I'm going where your presence is. If, if it doesn't move, no, neither do I. If it says stay, I'm going to stay. I want to be where you are doing what you want me to do, focusing on what is necessary in this time. Guys, we are living in a season where we can't afford to be distracted by everything else going on. The world is going to scream. They're going to yell. They're going to cry. They're going to do some things that are good. They're going to do some things that are bad. You've got to do some things that are God. You gotta focus and be where he wants you to be. We're doing what he needs you to be doing in that season, because it's when we seek him, we find what we need. Verse 16, he says, For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight except that you go with us? How will people see, God, that we're your people unless you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, and from the people of the earth and all of the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. And Moses takes it a little bit further. He said... God, I want to experience you. I want to see you. I want you to be here with me. Please show me your glory. And God responds, Oh, Moses, you ask too much. No. Oh, Moses, that's awfully bold of you. No. He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you because you can't separate him and his goodness. He said, show me your glory. God says, I'll have it pass before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And so to see this fulfilled, we have to now jump one chapter ahead. And in chapter 34, verse 5, he says, "The, The Lord descended in the cloud, and he stood with him there, and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Woo! This is what God is saying about himself. This is his character. This is his nature on display. Don't be swayed by religion in the world telling you God's angry, God's mean. He's all these things. No, he is merciful. He is gracious. He is long-suffering. He is abounding in goodness and truth. Hallelujah. And so Moses made haste, and he bowed his head toward the earth, and he worshiped. And he said, if now I've found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us. Even though we are a step-necked people. (laughs) So Moses admits it. Yes, we are. Pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Woo! Woo! gets done there it just gets better the next verse he says behold i will make a covenant before all your people and i will do marvels such as have not been done in all the earth nor in any nation and all of the people among whom you shall see the work of the lord for it is an awesome thing that i will do with you everyone say with me God has made covenant with you. The blood of Jesus ratified the new covenant and Jesus said, "I am the bread of life. Eat of me, drink of my blood. You shall live forever." It is an awesome thing that he will do with you as we sit down at the table of the master. Woo, hallelujah. Everyone say I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I, am hungry. I am hungry. And so what Pastor Wendy said, "Arise. Get up." And shine. Let there be some boldness in it. Because as we step out, as we are led, man, God meets us right there, works with us, and does wonders through us. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If we jump down a few verses in that chapter to verse number 19, it says, The sun shall no longer be your light by day. Nor the brightness shall the moon give light to you. But the Lord will be to you an everlasting light. And your God, your glory. Hallelujah. So say it again with me. I hunger. I hunger for you, God. I hunger to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I hunger for peace. I hunger for righteousness. God, I hunger for you. Oh, I just thank you, Father. Why don't you go ahead and stand on your feet with me this morning. God, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that your glory is among us, that you have come and you've made your home inside of us, Jesus. We thank you that because you are with us, it doesn't matter who's against us because you always lead us to triumph in Christ Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we worship you. Yes, we praise your holy name. Oh, we seek after you, and you only shall we seek, oh God. Oh, Jesus, you are good, you are good, you are good. You are so good, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. We come born. watching us this morning on the internet you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life now is the time to do so you can't work your way to heaven you can't win your way there but you can surrender your life to Jesus become a new creation in Christ Jesus and all he said was just call upon me and you shall be saved so church let's pray with them say Father I ask for Jesus I receive him into my life right now I turn from all else I declare you as Lord and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I hope your hunger's getting stirred up in these days. He's got so much more for us. You know, if you need prayer for anything this morning, our Word Care team will be right here at the front. They would love to pray with you and agree with you and believe with you. We should never have to go through life alone. People want to Amen.
1: Pastor Robin. Oh, glory. I hunger. Amen. Praise God. I hunger. You know, it's offering time, and it's, it's because of the goodness of God that we can actually give. Amen? The goodness of God in our lives. Hallelujah. So if you want to give, you can you can uh, do it online, wordchurch.ca forward slash give. I would say backwards slash, but it's a slash of some sort. So, amen. You can give that way. And or uh, there's an envelope in the, the chair in front of you. You can just fill that out. And uh God bless you. Anyway, so let's say this together. This is a confession we will say over the seed. This is my seed. I sow it into the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel, I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. His supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, 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 amen. You are blessed. Have a good week.